0: Rich Mullins and his song, Boy Like Me, Man Like You. I got to hear that song about a year before it was produced. Rich would come to Lincoln and teach for a week or two and uh, put on little concerts and he shared this song that he was working on and he wrote a lot of it at Lincoln. Uh, and so it was unusual to get to hear it later when it became popular. But, but Rich sings in that song about growing up in a small town in Indiana And Jesus, growing up in a small town in Galilee, and He wonders, how much like me were you? Did you struggle with the same questions that I struggled with growing up? Did you have the same insecurities that I had? And He comments how at 12 years old, Rich was in the meeting house, the little church there in Indiana, listening to the old men pray and wondering what they were praying about. And He says, there you were in the temple at the same age, and they said, you weren't old enough to know the things that you knew. And he asks, did they tell you the stories about the saints of old? Did, they, did you grow up hearing the same stories that I grew up? The same stories that you guys grew up hearing? And the fact is, he did. Jesus grew up hearing the, the same stories that we did. Jesus, Peter, Paul, all those heroes of faith, they grew up hearing the, the stories of Daniel in the lion's den, of Jonah and the whale, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and David and Goliath. They grew up on those same stories that you and I grew up on. What did those stories do for their faith? And if, if they could grow up with those stories, and, and if they could take a stand for their beliefs beliefs, and, and face the trials that they faced, what could happen to you and me when we finally grow up, when we finally get around to, to growing up? So we're spending the next four weeks looking at the book of Daniel, and I want you to hear the book of Daniel, and as we listen, as we're going to be in chapter 1 today, page 737. As you hear these stories, I want you to hear the the stories that Jesus heard as a child. Hear the challenges that Daniel went through, the trials he went through, and the character that developed, uh, that character that has shaped our faith for over 2,000 years now. And I want you to hear Daniel as he matured, as he grew, as he became Firm in his faith. We're simply thrown into the story of Daniel, much in the same way that Daniel is thrown into the life in this faraway city of Babylon. We're just kind of thrown into it as as Daniel is thrown into this new world. It begins there again, Daniel chapter 1, page 737. The first two verses just tell us In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. "...and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God." And so Daniel, young man, maybe 20 years old, his home has been invaded, his people have been killed, those who haven't been killed have been hauled off into captivity, The valuables have been taken. The author is very clear to tell us that the valuables that had been dedicated to God and in His temple have been taken out of that temple and are now housed in the temple of another god, a a foreign god. And Daniel himself has been taken to Babylon. 900 miles from Israel. About 1,000 miles from his home with a different culture, different language different customs different values so how can this young man live out his faith in a world where his faith just doesn't fit where his devotion to god makes him an outsider maybe that's what you feel like every now and then an outsider we're not we're not a, a, a hundred, we're not a thousand miles from our home but sometimes we feel about a thousand light years from where we grew up from the values that that we grew up with. And you're in a world, you're in a world that's asking questions that, that you never dreamed of asking when you were a kid. And the answers they come up with are answers that you never would have in a thousand lifetimes come up with those answers. And as much as you love your country, as much as you love your home, you love this place, too often you're very aware of the truth of that old hymn, this world is not my home. <laughs> I'm just passing through. And we're not prepared for the the changes that we see around us. I think the way that Daniel responds in faith with the character that he has, I think that can impact our response to the world that we're in. One of the first lessons that I want you to see from Daniel, one of the first things that I want you to see that Daniel did, this, this very young man teaches us this. He teaches us, pick your battles. Pick your battles because not everything is worth getting worked up over. I want you to read on in verse 3. He says, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, there are going to be a lot of big weird names that you're just going to have to put up with today, okay? It's going to happen. They don't talk like us. They don't have names like us. So you're going to have to put up with a lot of big weird names. And if you're wondering if I'm pronouncing them right, Yes. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish and of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Now among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Those names... Probably familiar to some of you, and they'll become more significant a little later. Uh, in fact, I think we would probably, many of us would be very able to recite those names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, we, we know those names from those, the stories we heard when we were kids, but would you recognize the names Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? The names that we know them by are not the names they were given by their parents and by their culture, they were the names that they were given. In Babylon, Daniel himself is known as Belteshazzar. He came to Babylon. They were given Babylonian names. They went downtown to to the Babylonian barber and the Babylonian barber gave them Babylonian haircuts. You know, they got the latest haircuts in Babylon. They went over to the tailor and they got the latest clothes from Babylon. They they looked and they sounded and their names sounded like they were Babylonians. They were part of the culture. But then there's a problem. Just one little problem. You read on in verse 8. Verse 8 says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel has a problem with the food they're giving him. Now what's what's the problem? We we don't really know. Is, Is the food unclean? Yeah, it might be unclean. Has the food been sacrificed to a to a false God and then fed to them, you know what? That's probably it. It probably is that this food was sacrificed to other gods. All we know is that Daniel had a problem. And so what does Daniel do in verse eight with his problem with the culture he's in? He raises a big stink, doesn't he? And he says, "I'm not going to eat this food and I refuse to eat this food, and I want you to take this post and like and share it with all of your friends. No. <laughs> Daniel asks if it's okay. Verse 8, again, he says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. What a unique idea. He disagrees with someone, and instead of making a lot of noise about it, he just asks. Has, has anyone ever really tried that? Are are we sure something like that would would work? Have you ever tried just showing a little a little respect to someone you disagreed with and I don't know if it would work. It might be worth a shot though. There's something else I want you to notice about Daniel about the way that he picks his battles. If you remember back in verse 4? It says that Daniel was brought to Babylon. Daniel and his friends were brought to Babylon to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Daniel was there to learn how to read Babylonian, how to speak Babylonian. He was there to learn the Babylonian stories, to learn the literature and the language of the new culture that he was in. And Daniel didn't have a problem with that. He didn't have a problem learning their language. He needed to know how to communicate with the people that had taken him captive. He needed to know how to respect their culture, so he he was willing to learn their language. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but uh, the language that people use today is a lot different than the language we grew up with. Especially, well, Catherine, that you know, that's not about you. Uh, <laughs> The language people use today—they they use words that we never used before. They use words like "totes." You hear some kids say "totes." You know, they use "totes." They use words like "presh." You're, you're presh, Jim. You're presh, you're precious. They use words like "perf." You know, it, they get in You know, I hear these words. I don't know what they mean. And you know, I can't even. You know, I—I just—I can't even. No one uses the, the fine language that I grew up with. No one uses expressions that I grew up with. I can't tell you the last time someone used the word groovy appropriately. You know, I grew up hearing groovy. And nothing's groovy anymore. Uh, neato keen. I have not heard anyone say neato keen in a very long time. And i got to tell you, you, know, it's not just them, it's me. I can't remember the last time I asked someone to kiss my grits. I just can't remember that at all. No one one says kiss my grits anymore. We used to say it all the time. (sighs) Language changes. And maybe more to the point, can, can we expect respect if we're not at least learning to communicate? If we're not willing to learn to communicate and offer respect to the world around us? Pick your battles. Not everything is worth getting worked up over. You know, when... When everything is a catastrophe, nothing is a catastrophe. When everything is important, then nothing is important. And even worse, we, we lose our ability to be heard. You know, your, your best, your very best may not be your loudest. Have you thought about that? And your loudest is probably not your best. Pick your battles. Choose your fights carefully. Daniel teaches us that through his character. He also teaches us that when when something is worth fighting for, and there are things that are worth fighting for, when something's worth fighting for, you can stand, and you can stand without demands. You can stand without demands. So Daniel finds that he cannot, in all good conscience, he cannot eat the food that the king has given him, and so he asks, can an exception be made for me. And I want you to look at the response that he gets. First of all, in verse 9, it says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Verse 10, the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, well, I fear my Lord, the king, and he's the one who has assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So, would you endanger my head with the king? In other words, the guy is saying, hey, this isn't my call. I'm just following orders. My job is to make sure you get the best food and the best wine. And if you don't look like you're getting fed the best, it's going to come back on me. I'm going to lose my head over this because you're you're not eating the food that the king has given you. David hears that. And David respects that. You're going to get me in trouble. I was on the phone with Verizon a couple weeks ago. That's a treat, you know. And let's be honest, it doesn't matter if you're on the phone with Verizon, if you're on the phone with AT and T, if you're on the phone with MediaCom. It's the same people, and it's the, you know none of those people want to hear your complaints, but that's what they do all day. That's their job. And I had a big complaint. I had a real problem, and I was convinced it was their fault, and it may not have been anyway. I started getting loud. And then I remembered, I just suddenly realized, this lady on the other end of the phone, this isn't her fault. She's not the one that's caused this problem. And, and me yelling at her is not going to get me anywhere. And so I, I tried to be a, a little kinder. And I tried to, to show a little bit more respect. And you know, we were able to move forward after that. Daniel does the same thing here. It says in verse 11, Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. He says this, Test your servants for ten days. Just give us ten days. For ten days, give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And you deal with your servants according to what you see. And so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better of appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. And so the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. What does Daniel do? Daniel does not demand. Daniel negotiates. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had demanded? I refuse to eat this fine food. I refuse to eat this. It may be good enough for a king, but it's not good enough for me. They're throwing a little fit. He had just just arrived in Babylon. These people had killed his, his people. They had enslaved his people. They had taken him back because they saw something special in him. Does Daniel have any room to make demands at this point? No. And you know what? He doesn't have the... He doesn't have the cultural standing to demand to get His way. And neither do we. Neither do we. We've said it for years. You've heard preachers say it. You've read it. You've seen it all over the place. You've heard us say America is a post-Christian culture. You can no longer call us a Christian culture because people don't go to church anymore. People don't know the stories anymore. People, a lot of people have no idea what the story of Daniel in the lion's den is about. They've never heard that story. We are a post-Christian culture. You've heard me say it. If you've paid any attention, you've heard people like Dr. Dobson say it. You've heard Chuck Colson say it. You've heard John Stone Street say it. You've heard all of these Christian commentators for years say this is a post-Christian culture. But now in so many ways you're seeing it. You're seeing it in the media, you're seeing it online, you're you're seeing it on Facebook and you're feeling the pressure in, in new ways and you're wondering, how do I respond to all this? And the fact is we need to respond. So how do we do it? How do we take a stand without making demands? When issues come up that challenge our faith, how do we how do we live that out? How do we How do we think these things through? I want you to notice again, verse verse 8, Daniel asked, right? In verse 8, Daniel asked if this would be okay. And then, verse 9 says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Do you think those things are connected? Do you think Daniel showing some respect changes the attitude of the... Of the people allows God to work on the attitude of, of the others? That, that God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs? Did God honor Daniel's attitude? I think so. Will God honor our attitudes? <laughs> kind of depends on the attitude, doesn't it? <laughs> it kind of depends on the attitude we're expressing, but I believe so. Guys, I, I think more often than not, we are more afraid of the people around us than we are confident of our God. We are more afraid of the culture around us than we are confident of our God. We are more afraid of what other people think and what other people are doing than we are confident of the faith that we have in the God of the universe. Absolutely, there are issues that need to be addressed. There are issues we face in our country. There are issues we face with our culture. There are issues you face with your neighbors and your friends and your family. But we need to ask ourselves, since I'm going to address this, how will I address it? Since I am going to have to address this, how will I address it? How can I speak out? How can I stand up? How can I make my feelings known in a way that shows respect and conviction? And that's where I think we have a great example from Daniel. When it comes to our culture, when it comes to those issues that challenge us, we we need to ask this question how can I respond in a way that is ten times better? How can I be ten times better in my response? The steward took Daniel up on the challenge. And after ten days, Daniel and his friends, they looked better. They looked fatter of flesh, whatever that means, than all of the others. That in itself is amazing. You know, They're just eating vegetables. But, but look at what God does next in, in verse 17. It says, And for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God did that. God honored their choices. God blessed them. God gave them. Uh, learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all dreams, all visions and dreams. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I can tell you this. I don't think it was loud. I don't think it was obnoxious. I don't think it was in your face, but I think it was powerful. And then we read on in verses 18 through 20. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them. And among them were none. None were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. In matters of wisdom and understanding in matters of what the king needed to know and what the king needed to do. He found that they were 10 times better. Now, Christians, I'm talking to you. In the world that we live in, people are still asking questions about wisdom and understanding. People are still asking, what does this mean? And what should I do about it? Now, they don't go to advisors anymore. They don't usually go to magicians. And they don't go to enchanters. Where do they go to get their opinions? Now well, they go on Facebook. Or they go to the Junction. They go places where they can be heard, where they can hear and read the opinions of others. And every time you interact with the world around you, you need to ask the question, how can I do this ten times better? Last Sunday afternoon, I took a nap. I get tired on Sundays. And I took a victorious Christian nap Sunday afternoon. I came home from church and immediately heard the news of the shooting in Tennessee. I didn't Hear that on the news? I heard it through a group of friends that I have who are tied in with a, who are members of of the Churches of Christ. You got to understand something about Churches of Christ. They are they are much like us, but there is a, a big distinction. They know each other. I mean, it was not unusual for me when I was working with the Kemp Church of Christ to to meet someone from a church hundreds of miles away, and they'd say, "Where are you from?" And I'd say, oh, I'm, "I'm from a little little church in Illinois called Kemp." They'd say, "Oh, and John goes there, right?" They know each other. They, they, They have deep ties. And so when I heard that this had happened at a church of Christ, I mean, first of all, just that it had happened, that was sad enough, but I immediately realized I know someone who knows someone who was there. And sure enough, within just a few minutes, I had made connections. Yes, we know people at the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ. And so I prayed. I was sad. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I prayed myself out. And I took a nap. I woke up two hours later. It was a good nap. I woke up two hours later and I thought to myself, I wonder what's happened. I wonder how everybody is. I wonder what news there is. And so I I opened up Facebook to find out what was going on. And I saw nothing about the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ. Two hours later, I saw nothing about the Burnett Chapel Church of Christ. Instead, there was something about football. I don't know, something about whether they were standing or whether they were kneeling. And where were they standing? And did some of them stand and did some of them kneel? And why were they standing and why were they kneeling? And honestly, I'm just going to be totally honest, I still don't get it. I slept through it. I, I still don't understand. All I know is a lot of people were making a lot of noise and there's no way I would characterize any of the noise I heard as wisdom <laughs> or understanding. I'm going to be honest with you, not a single bit of it coming from anyone, Christian or otherwise, sounded ten times better than anything else. Your opinion about what a football team should or shouldn't do will not keep anyone out of hell, okay? Your opinion about what a football team, what a bunch of big boys who are paid to do, so, do a job, what they should or shouldn't do, your opinion about that will not keep anyone out of hell. Will not allow anyone to see Christ better. And, and, and if your political opinion speaks louder than your love for Jesus, you got to realize that's not why you're here. That's not why God has placed you here. That's not why you've been saved. Daniel took a stand for what he felt was right, for what he felt was important, and he did it with respect. He did it with respect in a world that was turned against his faith, that was turned against his people and against his culture, and he still did it with respect. And he did it ten times better than anyone else. Can we do that? Can we just hashtag ten times? Can we do that? Can we post things on Facebook with ten times more grace? Ten times more love? Ten times more respect for others? Ten times more of the of the love of Jesus? And if we can't, can we just not say anything? You know, Maybe we ought to amend what our moms taught us. You know, Maybe we ought to amend it just a little bit. If you can't say something ten times better, then maybe you shouldn't say it at all. I want you to look at that last verse in the chapter. Verse 21. It says, And Daniel was there, until the first year of King Cyrus. That's a really little verse. Just a very small little verse. Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. That one little verse is 70 years long. That's 70 years. From King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon until the time when the Persians showed up and kicked all the Babylonians out of Babylon and took over, from Nebuchadnezzar to Cyrus that is 70 years this wasn't well just wait till the next election <laughs> this wasn't well maybe if we all just keep praying in another year or two things will change this was 70 years that Daniel lived there 70 years of living In a culture that did not accept his faith, did not appreciate his values, but it was 70 years in which Daniel was heard, Daniel was respected, and Daniel made a difference. And it all starts right there in chapter 1 with this young man, maybe 20 years old, being chosen to come to Babylon and he choosing to honor God, to honor God in a way in which he stood firm, was respected, and was heard by the people around him. Daniel made a difference in his world, and you and I can make a difference in our world. It might take 70 years, but we can make a difference in our world. But the battle, the battle to win our world begins in our attitudes. Are we willing to let Jesus have full reign in us? How will we respond? How will we take a stand? The Apostle Paul grew up hearing these stories just like you did. You know, little Paul going to going to, to VBS, whatever they had, he would have been collaring pictures of Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, Paul would have heard these stories. He would have gone and put on plays in his synagogue when he was a little boy. And they, they did that. They, they, they would have heard these stories just like you. Sometimes I wonder, how much did these stories impact those guys later? I mean, when Paul was standing on trial before foreign kings, when Paul was being attacked because of what he believed and he responded, how much did did he remember what he had learned from those stories of Daniel when he was a little boy? I wonder if he thought of Daniel. I think you see something of Daniel in Paul's attitude. He writes to the Philippians. And he tells them in Philippians 1, verses 27 and 28, He said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, the things that you know and the things that you do. Let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or if I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not frightened by your opponents. Not more scared of the culture around you than you are in love with the God that you worship and the God that created you. Let your manner of life, let the things that you say, the things that you post, the things that you respond to be worthy of the Gospel of Christ. Pick your battles. Take a stand without demands. And do it ten times better. Let's all stand. Father, we live in a challenging world and there are times when we feel a thousand miles away from the life and culture that we grew up right here knowing. But You are, you are the God that we serve. And You are the God that Daniel served, that Daniel trusted and, and acted in, in full confidence of. So when our world challenges our faith and our patience, I pray that we hold firm to You. I pray our trust is seen in our attitudes, our confidence, and our resolve. Teach us to pick our battles. Teach us to stand for what we believe without demands. And we pray for wisdom and understanding to interact with our world in ways that are ten times better. Ten times more grace. Ten times more love. And ten times more of Your Son seen in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.